0: Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors.
1: Hi, Susie, and your listeners. Um, I'm Kate McDermott, and I'm um, here at Pie Cottage today in Port Angeles, Washington, on the beautiful Peninsula. And I'm here to talk about my new book, Home Cooking, with Kate McDermott, that just came out.
0: The very first line in the cookbook is "You can do this." I love it. What compelled you to make that the very first line of this cookbook?
1: I have taught so many people in um, uh, pie making um, in my uh, my pie camp classes, my art of the pie pie camp classes, and people come in feeling uh, nervous that they can't make a pie, and. I learned uh, you know the first thing you let them know is this is really easy there's nothing to it, and by the time they leave the uh, the workshops they 're feeling like well what was the big what was the big fear about this it 's so easy, so I felt that it 's the same thing when you go into a my kitchen at least when i 'm cooking. This stuff is easy and delicious I feel at least people tell me that it is and that anybody can make these dishes there's nothing hard about it there's no exotic ingredients it requires no special equipment and anybody can pretty much anybody can make them speaking of pies talk
0: a little bit about what is enough how pie recipes are being tweaked to fill larger pans these days
1: I had a very interesting conversation um, a few years back with a um, editor for one of the larger um, food magazines. And she mentioned to me something that corroborated my experience over the years when I have been uh, making recipes, older recipes from the 40s, 50s, sometimes even the 60s and early 70s uh, in cookbooks of pie recipes. And the ingredients following the recipes never filled the pie pan correctly. There was not enough dough, there was not enough filling. And so, you know, my solution to that, of course, was just to size the recipes up to fit um, the pie pans. Now, what she told me was that our recipes in older cookbooks in decades prior to this were sized for the size of vessels that we had at that time, which were substantially smaller than what we have now. So a full-size pie, um, it, it is very different. The pie pan is very different. Um, a, the size of a piece of pie that is cut uh, now is probably one and a half to two times the size oh my gosh. of a piece of pie that we ate in, you know, say 1950. And I think this is also true with uh, many of our, many of the dishes that we make now, um, the serving sizes. It is not necessarily that uh, we should be cleaning our plate, as our mothers told us to do. um, When our plate is so overfilled that really, I look sometimes at, at plates that um, uh, plates of food that come to me at a table in the restaurant, and I think this could feed four people.
0: Well, come to New York City because it's the exact opposite. It's like okay. a tiny. <laughs> it's like a tiny nugget.
1: <laughs> well, there's probably a balance. There yes, somewhere. more than a <laughs> tiny nugget, but more than um, more than the whole casserole on your plate. You oh, know, less than the whole casserole on your plate. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so hard to get your mom out of your head, though, saying, clean your plate.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think, um, I know for me, there were things that she really worked hard to get me to eat. I was not fond of vegetables when I was young. And um, so I spent many an hour at the table. Um, I couldn't leave the table until my plate was clean. And I know she was just trying to get me to eat my vegetables.
0: For you, every morning is a different painting. Tell me about Duncan and his breakfast hash.
1: (laughs) Well, my son Duncan has been in the kitchen with me since um, uh, always. You know, he he loves to be in the kitchen. Uh, He does many other things also, but he's really competent over these years of being in there with me, of now um, taking on uh, kitchen responsibilities in his own house. And when he comes over here, he loves to cook for lots of people. So I remember one of his, um, at the home of one of his girlfriends one time, uh, her dad says, Oh, we love it when Duncan comes over because he immediately goes in the kitchen and starts cooking. Um, and many times what he's making is his breakfast hash, which started by just going in and chopping up, uh, pretty much whatever was in the, the, the fridge or, you know, in the larder, uh, always with potatoes. He loves bacon. Who doesn't love bacon? Uh, and, <laughs> um, he would, and he likes to season things, uh, uh highly actually and so he would just chop and chop and cook and cook and started making this hash usually when um when people would get up in the morning if i had a house full of people the house was already smelling like breakfast and duncan was in the kitchen cooking and uh it's when you when you get up and you smell something great like my son's cooking or you know if i may be so bold some of my cooking Um, it's, it's just a wonderful way to start the day.
0: One photo in the book that I love is on page 28. It's a few of your cookbooks. You read cookbooks like novels. What was your first cookbook and what's your favorite cookbook?
1: Okay. Well, my first cookbook, as it is shown there, is the Betty Crocker's Cookbook for Boys and Girls. I still do have my original copy, and that is the copy that you see. All those, all those cookbooks that are on page twenty-eight; those are my cookbooks. And um, so that was my first one, and I loved, um, you know, looking through the pages and picking out what I was going to make. And I think that's uh, that's translated now into continuing to read cookbooks as if they were novels and, um, you know, picturing me in the kitchen, my hands uh, chopping the vegetables, my hands um, uh, making whatever it is. And, you know, you kind of can read the recipe and kind of imagine the smells and the textures. So um, my favorite cookbook, oh my goodness, Um, I probably would say, um, well, I love Marion Cunningham's um, The Fanny Farmer Cookbook. It's just, it's just like a good old friend to me. Uh, but also one of my favorites is um, The Tasahara Bread Book. Uh, not so much that I cook out of it any, or that I bake out of it anymore, but just because it's like a talisman to me. It's how many of us in the generation that grew up in the 60s and the 70s, it's how we learned to make bread. What year was that cookbook put out? That cookbook was put out, I believe, in 1970-something. Mm, um, <laughs> uh, it was at least out by the mid-70s, okay. I believe.
0: Speaking of old friends, you also have various story time sections. And one was when you met Marion Cunningham, Mm -hmm. the woman who revised the Fannie Farmer cookbook. Mm -hmm. Reading that piece made me feel like you hit it off immediately. Describe that.
1: We did. I was on uh, the farm in California at uh, Frog Hollow, great uh, stone fruit orchard, uh, wonderful fruit there. And I was there for a a wonderful uh, celebration of Alice's, Alice Waters' edible food uh, yard, the, her project. And it felt like everybody in the world was there, including Miriam. And, of course, I was just like a gog, like, oh, my God, here's this person and here's that person. And there was Marion. It was a very, very hot summer day. And um, there was going to be a tour of the orchard. And it was too hot for Marion to go out into this. Um, And I absolutely said, you know, well, I'll stay behind because being now a um, a Northwesterner, although I was transplanted from I I was originally from Santa Barbara um, as a Northwesterner now, anything above 60 degrees is hot to me. Mm -hmm. And I was delighted to stay behind and. Uh, we went up to the farm office, which was um, air conditioned, and sat uh, together and had a wonderful one hour conversation one on one about uh, things that we both felt were important uh, family, family at the table, the table uh, putting meals on the table, you know gathering friends and family uh, it was It was absolutely. One of the most amazing experiences of my life I you know truly feel I got to hear uh, very interesting things about her that uh, too that really what she had wanted to do in life was to have a um a garage and be a mechanic oh <laughs> wow really like. yeah absolutely um anyway, after uh everybody came back, then we went out into the orchard where the big table was set in between the rows of peach trees and um she just motioned and said, you know, you sit right over there. And it was, it was just such a a magical evening. Uh, I saw her after that, when she came up to Washington to speak. And I felt, uh, you know, it just, she greeted me like I was her, her long lost best friend. (laughs) It was, it was so amazing.
0: Oh, wow. And you'll always remember that.
1: Oh, totally. And I have a picture of that day when, uh, when I saw, uh, actually, I have a picture of myself at the farm on that day, but the one that I love the most is when she was in Washington and I have a picture of her signing my very dog-eared copy of her cookbook, Fanny Farmer cookbook. And she looked at it and said, I think this would take the prize for the most used. Cookbook. <laughs> what an honor. Oh yeah. <laughs> How old was she when you met her? Oh, she was, um, I believe in her eighties at this point
0: in the high noon section of home cooking you have the good old butter sandwich but your spin on it is that you have reimagined it in 10 different ways describe the one with peppers and arugula
1: oh this is one of my favorites so um you're gonna take um some bread And if you like, you can – my mom used to spread an extra layer of butter on our our nut butter sandwiches. Uh, That's optional. And then you put – I like to put almond butter on mine. And then I place on there the uh, arugula, uh, a nice little bit of arugula on one side. And on the other side, I place my favorite um, uh, red – peppers. These are, um, uh, my favorites are Mama Lil's um, pickled Hungarian goat herd peppers. And I uh, liberally put those on. And sometimes maybe I'll put a little uh, sprinkling of salt if I feel like it too. And then I put it together and um, you can either eat it like that or, you know, some people I think grill these things too. But uh, um, it's just delicious. And I was inspired to do this when I realized, you know, in, um, in, when I go to restaurants, many times there'll be peanuts in a dish or nuts in a dish, um, and, um, peppers. And I thought, well, why can't I be doing this with an, with a, um, with a peanut butter sandwich? And so I just tuck this stuff in and, um, it's, really good.
0: <laughs> I can't even imagine it in my head. That's how crazy it sounds.
1: Give it a try. Okay. And if you, you know, and some of the peanut sauces that we um, have in, like with spring rolls, um, the, sometimes those will have a little bit of sweetness to it. So if you like, you can also, this is not mentioned in the book, this is um, this is just for you. You could also take <laughs> a little tiny pinch of sugar and put that in uh, the sandwich also, just to bring it up a little bit.
0: Fall is hearty soup season, and I love a good bean soup. What are your three ways to cook beans?
1: Okay. <laughs> okay Hit it. So you got it. So <laughs> the first way is to um, uh, soak the beans overnight, the long way. And then, uh, you know, you bring them to the boil, actually, and then soak them overnight. And then the next day, um, you, you cook them and, until they're soft. Uh, the second way is to uh, bring them to a boil let, um, for you know five minutes then let them sit for a little bit and then um, you cook them for another couple hours and that seems to work just fine too so that's if that's the medium way if you have forgotten to soak your beans overnight and the third way is to get out the can opener and open the can <laughs> That works really well too That's my favorite mm-hmm.
0: I just got a ham hock from my butcher too. You just put it in some white beans, and yes. oh my gosh,
1: mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. best! I was just visiting some friends, and um, we had a lovely uh, meal of um, black-eyed peas, which they did in the same way of soaking the beans and then using. Um, you can they either did a ham ho- they did a ham hock, but you could certainly uh, you know do. Even if you didn't have that, I think you could probably. Um, well, pork belly's always good. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I'm not sure why, but one thing I hate to make is salad. You have the perfect answer to my disdain for salad making: the make-ahead
1: layered salad. Describe yeah. that. Well, that salad um, is a very uh, a very retro salad, and uh, from the 50s and 60s. And you really just chop and shred, you shred lettuce, you chop, um, you know, pretty much whatever vegetables you want um, and make sure that you have different textures in there so that there's some crunch um, as well. And then you, um, you kind of seal it all in with a a mayonnaise topping and let it sit in the fridge uh, overnight or for some hours and it's ready to go. And you, when you, you just sort of toss it all together if you like and uh that's it it's it's made its own dressing pretty much and it has um it's got it's like salad ready to go what do you put in the mayonnaise part of it so the dressing for the make ahead layered salad is super easy um you take some mayonnaise a couple cups of mayonnaise um, which sounds like a lot, but remember that this is a big salad and it's going to um, be spread out quite liberally. Um, you put in some, uh, some sugar for uh, sweetening it up a little bit, uh, some salt, some seasoning salt. One of my favorites is um, spike and some garlic powder. You mix all that. You can either mix it together or you can spread the mayonnaise completely over the top and then sprinkle all of that, those dry ingredients, over the top. Of the mayonnaise, it'll kind of like seep in there and flavor it. And then also you put some uh, Reggiano Parmesan on top of that. And it's quite good. Now, right before you serve it, then Um, sprinkle it with some crumbled, hard-boiled eggs and bacon. It's always better with bacon, right? I'm going to make that for Thanksgiving. I think you'll like it.
0: I can do that the night before. Yes, you can. Well, there you go. (laughs) On page 204, you write about how to roast a chicken. I made that chicken the other night, and I always forget how easy it is to roast a chicken.
1: That is so true. When I was... A young cook, I was petrified of roasting a chicken for some reason, and when I finally just took the took the bird by the legs and um, <laughs> decided to do it, I found that it 's very, very simple and uh, the recipe that I have in uh, home cooking. Uh, really requires nothing more than a vessel to put the chicken in. Uh, just salt and pepper it both on the inside and the outside. If you want to stuff it with whatever fresh herbs you have, it could be rosemary, oregano, sage, you know, whatever you have. Um, and if you want to put some garlic on the inside, you can do that. If you don't have anything other than salt and pepper, that's fine too. And you toss the bird into uh, an oven that is at 350, and 90 minutes later, it comes out, and it's done. It doesn't even, you can baste it if you want. You don't have to baste it. It comes out every time.
0: I made little slits, and I stuck roasted garlic into the slits. That's a classic. That is it so was yummy. so good. And then the next day, I made ramen for my little boy, so
1: So you great. had the chicken to be able to put in it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. For my segment called My Last Meal, what would you
1: choose for your last supper? A simple piece of bread hot out of the oven slathered with butter would be right up there. And um, a perfect peach with juice that would be dripping down my chin that we could all share, you know, and pass it around. Uh, And, you know, maybe some home-pressed cider. I would want to be sharing this with, uh, lifelong friends. And of course my, my, my son and whomever, um, you know, hopefully I would have some grandchildren at that time. Hint, hint, Duncan, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, but no I pressure, think, yeah, no pressure at all. <laughs> I, th- I think that last meal is more who you're sharing it with. And the memories, I hope, and quite frankly, I hope I go out laughing.
0: Where can we find you on the web and social media?
1: You can find me at artofthepie.com. I am on Instagram at Kate McDermott. And I am on Twitter at, at Kate McDermott. Um, And I think, uh, let's see, on Facebook, you can either find me at uh, Art of the Pie, and then my personal page is Kate McDermott.
0: You and Marion Cunningham agreed that the kitchen table is one of the most central places in the home. That is so homey and comforting, just like the recipes in this cookbook. Thanks so much for coming on Cookery by the Book Podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Susie, and to your listeners. Just cook. It's easy. It's easy.
0: Follow me on Instagram at Cookery by the Book. Twitter is I am Suzy Chase. And download your kitchen mixtapes, Music to Cook By, on Spotify at Cookery by the Book. And as always, subscribe in Apple Podcasts.